What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Big Easy Bets Podcast. I'm your host, Logan, and with me in the studio, Nick Von Brick. How's it going? This is episode 78, and we are here, the final four. The Elite Eight is in the books. We'll recap all those picks from last episode, and we'll give you our picks for the, the two games that are left um, right before the national championship game on Monday. So, first and foremost, it's been a fucking good tournament, I got to say. It's been a weird tournament, but a good tournament. It felt good to have it back. Um it's like there was a there was a fair share of upsets, um, but I don't know. It definitely feels weird looking back on just the seeding and everything, how it all played out. I disagreed with a good bit of it, but for the most part, it felt really good to uh, have the March Madness tournament back. And here we are, one day away from the Final Four. What? Uh, how are you feeling? Uh, I mean, Elite Eight. So I was. I was thinking back like on my brackets and they are been busted for a while now, but just looking at the final four, I mean, there's one surprise in there really, but yep. the other ones, I mean, you could make a case that a lot of people probably had those three in the final four. I did. Yeah. And that's a, that's an ultimatum I have. Um, not ultimatum, but, um, a question that I'll get your opinion on and how you think I should go about it, but we'll get to that in a second. Um, but, yeah, obviously the one team in there is number 11, UCLA. That was a weird game. I know you were not happy with the outcome of that game. Yep, so I wasn't. You had your futures bet on Michigan. Um, I was not expecting – that was an incredibly low-scoring game. What was it? It was like Texas and Abilene Christian. It was like 53-52. Yeah, you would have told me UCLA was going to score 50 points. I would have 51 points is what they scored. Yeah. I would have taken all of my money – and asked everybody I know to borrow as much money from them as possible, and I would have put it all on Michigan. <laughs> I told you I like UCLA. I don't. I, I would have done the same thing though if I would have known that they're only going to score barely above fifty. Um, and the, and to be honest, they hit a lot of tough shots to yeah. even get to fifty. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, Wagner had a horrendous game. Yep. Horrendous. And that was one of the things I I didn't get to mention. Because I was kind of saving that for like maybe this podcast was that I thought Wagner because I saw him struggle against Florida State a little bit, especially shooting the ball from outside. Yeah. And yeah, it was one of the things was that he was going to have to step up and he didn't. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I did not. I mean, I told you I felt like of the of those long shot teams, I liked UCLA the best. Um. I did not see it going that way. Um, but that UCLA win was very fortuitous for my bracket, not for your futures bet, obviously. But all right, um, let's start with – we'll start on uh, Monday. First game was Oregon State and Houston. Houston was seven-and-a-half-point favorites. And Houston was absolutely smacking the shit out of Oregon State for the duration – for the entire first half. They go up, I think it was 17-point lead at halftime. Uh, with a seven-and-a-half-point spread, feeling really good. Feeling really, really good. Well, they let Oregon State crawl all the way back. Uh, and that's the thing with Houston. You get you get a good performance either out of the first or second half. Typically, it's the second half. 
you don't get a good full game performance out of Houston. I don't know what their um, against the spread record is for first half, but it's not great. I'd be willing to bet. Yeah, and what's their coach's name? Kelvin Sampson. Kelvin Sampson, yeah. Yeah, and it was like he knew it at halftime. Yeah. Because they interviewed – Was he was the coach that got interviewed at yeah. halftime. And you could tell they were up at 17 points. They scored twice as many points as Oregon State. And you could tell that he just wasn't like – He knew. He wasn't sold because he knows his team's more of a uh, fix things at halftime type thing. Yeah, make adjustments. and it, Yeah, so then it's like just ah, – just, Keep doing what you're doing. Right. And then, yeah, inevitably your, your foot gets taken off the gas. Um, Oregon State went to the zone defense, and then it was just Sasser and Giroux tossing it back and forth, back and forth, back and forth until there's 10 seconds left on the shot clock. We'll pass it back one more time, and then we'll take a contested shot at the at the end of the shot clock. And it's like, like just keep doing what you're doing. It, it's the most difficult thing to do, but it's at the same time it should be the most simple. Just play the exact same way that you've been playing because you got out to a 17-point lead. Keep the same intensity. Don't try to slow down. Move at the same pace because it's working. You don't need to run the clock. And once it hits under five minutes, if you got a 17-point lead, you want to take your foot off the gas, then by all means, be be my guest. But until then, attack attack the rim. Attack the zone. I don't understand. Get it to Grimes. Let him make a move. Get to the center. And either take get into the heart of the defense, right by the free throw line, take a pull-up jump shot mid-range, or dump it down to one of the big men, or kick it out to a guy in the corner. You can't just get stagnant, pass it back and forth, and expect something to happen, because it's just not going to. But luckily, they turned it on when it mattered most, and that's what the good teams do. Once it hits that last five-minute stretch is when you got to really start. The good teams separate themselves, and Houston did that. They pulled out to a lead. They were covering. Um, big game out of Mar- I say big game, not the best shooting performance, but in comparison to his tournament as a whole, it was a great shooting performance from uh, Marcus Sasser, which is what I said had to happen for Houston to cover the spread. Uh, he broke out of his slump, hit the first shot of the game, hit a big three. Um, so yeah. it was looking good there. The big, yeah, the biggest thing here is um, Houston didn't shoot that well from three, not terrible, yeah. but they hit 11. Yeah. So they shot it. They took from, the, the Alabama approach. It's, yeah, they it's shot it 32 times. Quantity over quality. But, yeah, I mean, it ended up working out because it was like every time before Oregon State tied it, there was like a a period of time there where every time Oregon State was about to make a run and push it like within five or something, Houston would then hit a three. Yeah. No, big shot Grimes hit a big one there late, Um, a really big one. I think they might have been tied. Grimes hit a big one at the top of the key to put them up three. Um, no, yeah, it was Oregon State battled back into that game. They really did. Um, but yeah, it was big time shots out of Houston and just the offensive rebounding was relentless. And that's what you get when, when you take Houston. Yeah, so, nineteen. Yeah. Offensive rebounds. What did what did Oregon State have? Own offensive rebounds? Yeah. Um, seven. So, yeah, dude, that's domination. That's domination. It really was. They yeah. just they collapse. But when you look at the, the Michigan ball. game, if you look at it in terms of rebounds, you see the same thing. No, sometimes it's deceiving, yeah. You can't always go by it. But, I mean, watching that game, they Houston got so many. That Grimes three, I'm pretty sure, was off of a second-chance opportunity. Yeah. So it's a, it, it plays that was, such yeah, a Yeah, that was the thing role. I was noticing with Michigan is they would get an offensive rebound, but then they Couldn't weren't capitalizing yeah. on them. No, yeah, and, and it's like – when you it demoralizes the defense when you keep going in there and getting it's like all right we finally got him to a stop and then oh nope here comes here comes Gorham to come in and fly in and get the rebound it's like fuck now we got to reset and do it again um but yeah so 
it was looking good. A um, couple free throws late. We're up nine. And then Oregon State, no integrity, no no uh, character in that program. The coach, the coach deserves to be fired. Um, they they instead of just sit on the ball, five seconds left, just sit on the ball, dribble it out. Uh, no, I think his name's Kalu. It's mm-hmm. it's the purest three he's ever taken in his life. It barely even touched the net, let alone the rim. Uh, and Houston wins by six. So we fail to cover the seven and a half. Um, you had the under. Yeah, hit by one. Yeah, yeah. So I actually <laughs> yes. I didn't give it out, so it's not going to go on my record. But I did end up taking the under. So I'm I'm looking. I'm sitting right there. I'm like, fuck. I'm like, if Houston if they foul, then we're not going to get the over under. We're not going to the over's going to hit if they foul most likely. Um, it, there was no way to win both at that point. If he if Kalu misses that three, we hit both. We hit the spread and we hit the the under. Um, so that sucked. I was pissed, but still a good a good win by Houston. Um, and then the second game on Monday was Arkansas versus Baylor. Baylor seven and a half point favorites. Uh, this was very similar, if I remember correctly. They, Baylor jumped out to a big lead. Um, I should have added it, but I didn't. I bet Baylor. First half minus four, which they jump out to a big lead, and then all of a sudden you're sweating out the minus four for first half because Arkansas is making a push. Um, and then I, I vaguely remember, but I'm pretty sure Arkansas and Baylor, weren't they? They were battling out in the second half, and then same thing, right when that five-minute stretch hit, Baylor went on a really a big run towards the end to pull away. Um, and they did cover the seven and a half. Yeah, the big thing for Arkansas was that um, J.D. Notte fouled out, didn't he? Yeah, Notte. Yeah, and that was like what a lot of time left in the game. Mm-hmm. He was playing with four fouls, and he got like... Well, the the thing that killed, speaking of fouls, the thing that killed Baylor in the first half was Davion Mitchell getting fouled. Yeah, so yeah. Davion Mitchell is incredible. His hand, his hand speed to swipe the ball away, even if not even stealing it, just... When you go to pull up for a jump shot, you put your arm out, and as they're going up for the jumper, you swat the ball down. Like he is fucking incredible at that. Um, his instincts defensively are damn good. He got the uh, Big Twelve Defensive Player of the Year. So, I mean, you can make an argument he's the. I, I don't know who they gave it to for overall. If they even do that, they might not even do that in college basketball. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like a defensive Player of the Year, um, but he would be top three if not the guy. So. Yeah, and I think he's, I don't know, I would say he's their best player that's been playing so far. The way he's been playing, yeah, definitely. Um, he's not their best scorer, in my opinion. Um, I I still give it to Butler. Butler's been in a slump. Um, but if Butler stays in a slump, they're not going to win. So it, it they need Butler. Davion Mitchell's damn good. He's just... He it's la- just like he the off the, the dribble. Shooting. But yeah, no. It, and it, then it, his mid range is like yeah. a mix up for Baylor because Baylor shoots a lot of threes. Yeah, I mean, if you want to come, if you want to take into account like two way player, then yeah, he's probably their best player. If you take away being the best defender, I mean, if you go with the fact that he's the best defender on the court and probably, I mean, he's their second best scoring option. Um, yeah, you could make an argument for sure that he's their most important and their best player. But I like I like Jared Butler a lot. I think. He can really get it going, and they're going to need him to if they're going to win at all, let alone even beat Houston. So, Yeah, and the interesting thing is Mitchell didn't even pick up a foul in the second half. 
Yeah, and that's what the coach was saying. Um, I think it's Scott Drew. I could be wrong. Um, was saying that he 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 actually put him in with three late in the first half. I think. If yeah, I, maybe I'm not. Sure. I could be wrong, but I thought he was talking about it. And he was saying how he trusts he trusts that he he's a smart player. Um, he trusts his ability to not pick up another foul. Um, and threw him out there with three. So, I don't know. The foul trouble is going to be a big deal going forward in the final four. It always is with any basketball game. Um, it's all going to depend. I hope the refs don't have such a tight whistle. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. Baylor covers the seven and a half though. Did did you you weren't on a on a over under here were you? No, I was on Arkansas. Eight, oh, that's right. That's right. Eight. Yeah, I mean they made One a push. Point. They made a push. What they want Baylor won by nine. Yep. Um. Yeah, the big thing was is it Note was their leading scorer fouled out with I think it was over ten minutes left in the game. Yeah, Moses Moody has not had a good yeah, turn. Yeah, Moses Moody. They tried to go to him kind of later in the game. He just forces up bad shots. Yeah, and then the turnover. I just I want to see how many turnovers there were. Yeah. Baylor is one of the leading teams as for as far as forcing turnovers. I think they forced like. 17 a game or something. Yeah. They forced 15 against Arkansas. So. Yeah, that's a that's a a good bit. Um, but yeah, so decent day on Monday. Um, I I made money. Luckily, I took the under, like Nick gave out. I took Baylor first half, and then I took Baylor full game. Um, Tuesday, not so much. So we had it was USC versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga nine point favorites. Well, we were on the Trojans, so getting nine points, um, it didn't matter. I will say I live bet this game when it was twenty three and a half to break even. Um, but yeah, just the the Trojans didn't show up. They couldn't shoot the ball at all. Mobley was getting violated by Drew Timmy. Um, yeah, this is the Oregon I thought we were gonna possibly see against. Oregon. You mean USC? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, and I, I mean, I was on Oregon that game. I, I, I like Oregon a lot. Yeah, because at times this year when USC played good defenses, mm-hmm. it's like they struggled to find scoring outside of Mobley. Yeah, they just turned the, they turned the ball over so much in that first half, just giving Gonzaga easy fast break layups. Um, they didn't, they really didn't. They didn't show up at all. You got the other Mobley brother yelling at the coach. Um, it was rough. You knew from the get-go. Uh, you knew from the get-go Gonzaga was going to run, run away with it. You, I texted you the same thing. I said, well, Zags are better. You can tell in two minutes. Um, So that sucked. I think Gonzaga got out to a 7-0 run. And right there, they're all calling – USC's calling timeout. You're calling timeout within the first two minutes. It's like, fuck, okay. Gonzaga's fired up. So they ran him out the building. Um, and then last game of the day on Tuesday, UCLA versus Michigan. Michigan, another seven-and-a-half-point spread. Did not go the way we thought it was going to go. We were on Michigan with the seven-and-a-half. UCLA wins outright in a weird game. Um, you weren't on You weren't on the total in this one, huh? Nope. Just it went under, in case you wonder. <laughs> 100 yeah. total points. That is the theme of the tournament for sure. Poor shooting and... I mean, if we if you hammer, I would love to know if you bet every single under how many units you'd be up. You're up. Oh, you're definitely up. Big time. Yeah, definitely up. I would love to know how much, though. Um, But, yeah, so. Yeah, an interesting thing is, is one of the things I mentioned where I didn't, res- 
give UCLA enough credit was when I mentioned Alabama struggle at the free throw line. Well, Michigan also yeah. struggled at the free throw line. Oh, yeah, they so. must be guarding them or some shit at the free throw line because who – Yeah, they were 6 of 11 and Dickinson, like, missed yeah. three of them, I think, at least. So yeah. it so. was like – it was a ter- – I mean, their leading score scored 11 points, and that was Dickinson. All right, so let's transition to – Saturday, which today is Friday. Um, you'll have plenty of time to get your picks in. The, the episode will be out this evening, probably if I had to ballpark it around 5 o'clock at the latest. Um, so let's transition. We're, we're going to skip over the Baylor-Houston game. We'll go straight to Gonzaga versus UCLA. One seed versus the Cinderella 11 seed UCLA. Play-in game to the Final Four. Do they have a shot in hell to win this game? <laughs> um, I'd say no. I would say no as well. Because they'd need a... Um the whole time I was watching uh, UCLA Michigan in my in my head, I was like, um, just watching the game and looking at Michigan. I was like, does Michigan have a real shot if if they win tonight? <laughs> and I was just thinking, no, they don't. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. I guess look, give UCLA all the credit because they've beaten teams and they've gotten all the way to the Final Four. But for Michigan, Michigan didn't score under fifty points all year. Yeah, no, I know. That was alarming. So, I mean, they obviously missed Livers in that game because uh, it probably would have been Livers taking the shots there at the end instead of Wagner. Yeah. Um, And, yeah, I mean, they didn't get enough production out of – Yeah, I think they went the last five minutes. They didn't make a bucket. They had, like, three shots from the free throw line, I think, but they didn't score a field goal from the field in the last five minutes. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> like, that's really – that's bad. Um. So let me, I'll break down my scenario for you. So we are in that bracket challenge, um, $2,500 roughly to first place. So me and my dad always split every year. I do three brackets. He does three brackets. And then if he wins, I win. If I win, he wins. We split. Um, I have a Baylor bracket. It's the number one Baylor bracket. So if Baylor wins, I win. He has a Houston bracket. Number one Houston bracket. If Houston wins... We win. We just need Gonzaga to lose. As long as Gonzaga doesn't win the national championship, we win. So, so if UCLA if wins UCLA it. wins, then it doesn't matter what happens. So we're all in on the Bruins. Um, but so no. But my what my real question is, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait. So it's minus two twenty five right now. If you bet on Gonzaga to win, my question is, should I hedge? On UCL on, not on Gonzaga. UCLA. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gonzaga loses. I'm guaranteed to make what is twelve fifty. Um, so are you asking like if Gonzaga advances to the national championship? Are you thinking about hedging? I'm, I'm thinking about it. I don't know if I'm going to do it. Yeah, I mean, dude, I'm thinking. So it's minus two twenty five right now. If you bet on Gonzaga to win it all, say Baylor hypothetically kicks the shit out of Houston. And then UCLA actually gives Gonzaga somewhat of a run for the money. Gonzaga wins by 10. You know what I mean? What do you think the money line odds on Gonzaga would be? Um, If. O- over 225? Yeah, so it's 265 right now. It's I'm minus 265. It's gone up since I last looked. Yeah, and the interesting thing is, is that I'm thinking if it's a one-on-one game, them versus Baylor, and Baylor looks really good in the Final Four, I would think the money line would be less on Gonzaga. 
like risk less to win a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, two, I'm going to be, two, uh, in my five. opinion, um, like for UCLA to win, there's going to, like it would just be one of the most miraculous things ever happened. Oh no, without a doubt. Yeah. So to me, no matter who Gonzaga plays, um, in the national championship, I think that it's going to be a tough game for them. For Gonzaga? Yeah, depending on who they play. Either Houston or Baylor, you're saying? Yeah. No, I think it'll be a tough game too, but no, so that's my point. So what do you think the money line odds would be on Gonzaga? Say they play Baylor, and Baylor's coming off of a, a good victory. They looked really well. They look good in their performance. Yeah, I mean, I wish... Because I was looking, I'm like, I don't want to risk... 265 to win 100 so whatever do the fucking math to win $500 like I wouldn't it wouldn't make sense to do it like that um I mean if you're looking at like like a wait if you're looking at like a seven to an eight point favorite you're talking probably like minus 275 to minus like 330 on the money line you think they'd be eight point favorites I'm just saying like that's where you're looking at it that I just don't. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get think the, the, the Baylor slander. From I don't like, think that. Um, no matter who they play, I think that the game is going to be settled by five points. Yeah. No, dude. Baylor can lock up and can shoot. That's what I don't. They. I feel like they match up nicely. The 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 glaring weakness or the biggest matchup is going to be Vital versus Timmy. If Vital can contain Timmy at all. Um, but all it takes is Timmy to get two fouls in the first half, and then it's okay. It's it's a fucking ball game. Like Baylor can jump out to a lead. Yeah, and then you got, um, dude, Houston to me. See, we'll talk about the Baylor Houston matchup because I want to go into that. In but detail. if Houston were to advance, yeah, it's like to me they they have the perimeter defense to apply the pressure yeah. at like half court to really disrupt. What Baylor, I mean, what Gonzaga does. Yeah. So, and they have the size where Gonz, where Baylor is a little bit undersized, but plays re- a really good defensive team. But as far as size of their guards, it's a little bit undersized compared to a big guy like Jalen Suggs who yeah, takes yeah, yeah. the ball up. And really, it's hard to pressure him because he's so skilled and then so big. And he does a very good job of taking care of the basketball. So, team. I don't know. To me, yeah, it's just to me, it's going to be an exciting game. I think that I don't think Baylor's going to win the national championship by any more than five points if they do win. You mean Gonzaga? I mean, yeah, Gonzaga. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, but that doesn't answer my question. Would you hedge? Not right now. Not no. No, with what it's at now, no, I'm not. I wanted to see what would happen when when it goes. But see, it's like I don't know if it's going to be worth it though. Even if it's minus two hundred, it's like if I risk six hundred to win three hundred, it's not. I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah. I, I mean, might just have to roll the dice and see. It's like it's like it would suck when you can guarantee yourself to win something. Yeah, I mean, it depends on the spread. Honestly, if, if it's like a – I couldn't see it being more than six and a half points. Even that feels fucking I would. I feel like that's a lot, but, like, if it's more than that, then I'm betting the other team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We'll see. But Because the USC – was not not eight and a half point is what it closed at. Mm-hmm. We got it at nine. It was eight and a half. So a lot of people were thinking the same thing we were. No, but, yeah, all, a lot of the majority of the sharp money I saw was on USC. Like USC was not 
um, an uncommon pick. Yeah, honestly, I thought Gonzaga would have been tested by now. Yeah. But they haven't been. But they also no, they really gotten have. a relatively... Oh, they've had a they've had an easy go at yeah. it. Yeah. They've had an easy go at it for sure. And that's why I said going into it, I felt like Gonzaga had the easiest run. I felt like it wasn't even up for debate who had the easiest run. They got to play an Oklahoma team without Davion Harmon. They got to play uh Creighton, who are frauds. Creighton shouldn't have got out shouldn't have got past UCSB in the first round. And then they go play um then they go play USC, who I mean is a good team was shooting the shooting the ball like crazy, but it's like I bet on Oregon because I was basically – I mean, I really like Oregon. Oregon didn't shoot the ball terribly, but I was betting on UCLA to not be able to maintain the level that they were shooting the deep ball at, and they kept it going against Oregon. So USC won. Well, they couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat against Gonzaga. So Gonzaga ran them out the gym, and they had an easy, an easy march to the Final Four. So – Timmy looked Timmy abused Mobley. It was bad. Like that's like if I'm an NBA scout, that's an eye-opening performance um from Drew Timmy for me. And and for Mobley. Yeah. It, it's like he can't who you can't guard anybody then. Cuz he's not big, he's not going to like bang with somebody down in the post. So if you can't guard the finesse guys and you can't guard the big guys, who are you going to guard? Mm-hmm. So Joel Embiid will eat his lunch. But, all right, Baylor versus Houston, one seed versus two seed. Houston is five-point underdogs. The over-under currently sits at 134.5. The biggest thing in this one is going to be the matchup between Quentin Grimes and Davion Mitchell, in my opinion. They need, much much like Houston needs a big performance out of Sasser, more than that, they need a great game out of Quentin Grimes if they're going to win this game. And I would be willing to bet that Davion Mitchell is going to be matched up with Quentin Grimes for probably the duration of the game. Um, so that matchup right there is going to be critical. Can Mitchell stay out of foul trouble? We saw him get three early, early in the first half um, last week. Uh, but another thing that I'm looking at too is the three point defense. Houston allows thirty percent from the three-point line out of their opponents. Baylor, and this is in the tournament, Baylor okay. is, is allowing 26.4% from the three-point line. So when you break these two teams down, these are essentially the same team, in my opinion. Houston's better rebounding, but not by much. Baylor attacks the attacks the boards, too. Uh, Houston has more capable athletic bigs um, than Baylor does, but I give the edge to the guard play for Baylor. Uh, both play really scrappy defense. They're right up there at the top in defense and defense efficiency. Um, but the the glaring defense, I mean, the glaring uh, difference in this game is Baylor's ability. Baylor's, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for, the, the number of guys that they have that can score the basketball consistently, that can go get you a bucket. There's many a times when I was watching the Houston game last week where I'm looking at the lineup on the floor, I'm like, who's going to go get a bucket? It's one guy. Mm-hmm. We need It's one guy who can go get a bucket. You got two guys that are there for strictly to go get a rebound, uh, and then two other guys, like Jero. I love Jero. Don't get me wrong. But he's not – and he actually had a pretty good game from three. Um, but he's not somebody who you can kick out to and feel great about him taking a three point shot. Baylor's got four different guys. And even on their bench with Flagler coming off the bench, they've they've got so many different people that can shoot threes. I think that's going to be the difference. Um, 
So if they're having off shooting nights, both of them, I, I feel like Baylor can sustain droughts, I guess, and or they can force you into droughts. So if you're playing good defense back and forth, Baylor's got more scoring options. I think that's going to be what prevails here. I, I'm going to take Baylor with the points, minus five. Yeah, um, it's I like looking at the spread. It's like the spread's basically what I expected to be, five yeah. points. So I don't know. I do think that Houston has a big, bigger advantage than you're saying on as far as rebounding is concerned, but I'm not sure how much of a factor it's going to play, meaning that um, Baylor's defense is good enough at creating turnovers mm-hmm. and stuff like that to neutralize the offensive rebounding advantage that they'll have because Houston's the third-ranked offensive rebounding team in the nation and yeah. Baylor as far as defensive rebounding there, 299. Yeah. Which I mean is a yeah, bit but where deceptive. Are they rebounding? Um, they're not in the top twenty-five, yeah. as far as I know. But um, the biggest thing here is that 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 defensive rebounding. So obviously you're going to have less rebound on opportunities and more turnovers you force. Mm-hmm. So I, f- I wish I was able to find how many second chance points the teams and in, in the ranks of the of that, but I wasn't. But if I had to guess, I'm guessing that Baylor's defense is pretty good at defending second chance opportunities because of their ability to force turnovers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you mentioned Houston has a good three point defense. They're th- ranked fifth in the nation, but Baylor's number one on offensive mm-hmm. three point shooting. Um, Baylor is twenty third in the nation offensive rebounds. Okay. And um. Yeah, I actually have it pulled up. It says, at least what I'm looking at right here, it says they, they yeah, get no, 12, yeah, they're, 12.6. Yeah, they're 23rd. So that's pretty good as well. Um, and if when you look at these teams, it's like they're not ranked high as far as defensive rebound is concerned. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of deceptive on, on that stat, in my opinion, because of the things I mentioned. But both of these teams have a good turnover ratio. Uh, Baylor's better, though. And um, the biggest thing to me is that, like you said, Baylor, when Houston can't score, it's like sometimes the scoring just never seems to come. But Baylor has guys they can isolate um, and stuff like that. And so overall, it's like as much as I do want to bet on Houston here um, because of how good they are on defense and then offensive rebounding – Initially, that was my thought that that's going to have a big factor in here. I think that Baylor's uh, ability to force steals is going to play the biggest factor in here, especially when Houston start, starts they, to struggle to score. They get sloppy with the basketball, so, too. Um, like, I have a futures bet on Houston. If I had to pick which one I want to win, I want Houston to win. I want Houston to go win it all. Yeah, I got a futures bet on Baylor. and I, I'm, I do as well, but not for I wouldn't win as much. But initially, I was thinking – like I was saying, that five's too many for this game. But it's not that I don't think Houston could win, but they're going to have to play their best game exactly. of the season. And that's the, that's the thing right there, in my opinion. Houston's going to have to play the best game they played, like you said, all year. I feel like Baylor can have an – that's the thing that makes Baylor so good with their defense and then their multitude of guys who can hit from the outside. They can afford to have – a couple of their guys have an off night. Jared Butler had a very bad game 
two games ago, and then even the last game he didn't play great. And they're still they're still advancing and getting up big on these teams and then just letting them back into the game if they would just keep their foot on the pedal. Whereas with Houston, if Grimes and Sasser have an off night, they're going to get blown out. They're going to get blown out. It's not going to be close. If Grimes and Sasser can't hit a shot, they're done. Yeah, the biggest thing here is you the the good teams have like like Villanova. Villanova had, um, if I remember correctly, it was it's a while back, but they had Archer Diacono, they had Josh Hart, they had uh, Jenkins, they had they had so many different people. So like if Archer Diacono was having an off night and Jenkins couldn't hit a shot, and I'm sure they had somebody else that I'm not remembering, then you got Josh Hart going to get you 25. Like there's, it's who's going to have that big night, and they've got Baylor's got at least four guys who can go get you 20 and and take over a game. Yeah. I love Houston. Don't get me wrong. I've been on Houston for a long time. For, I think for ba- years the now. game against Villanova for Baylor was huge as yeah. a like precursor to this yeah. game because Villanova had bigger guards mm-hmm. and they're, they they figured out that um, they don't need to force the three to win the game. Yeah. So that's the biggest thing here because – Oh, yeah. If anything, they figured that they might have more success going to the – paint like vital was yeah vital's the one who kick-started that that run yeah so i think that's a big thing here is um yeah Baylor just they have the players to isolate and then all three of those guards are good facilitators as well oh, yeah so to me like i said earlier it's it's that i think that Baylor forcing turnovers in this game is going to be the difference that neutralizes mm-hmm what we see as a big offensive rebounding advantage for um, Houston yeah. going against a weaker defensive rebounding team in Baylor. But um, it's like if you're not getting shots up mm-hmm. on a lot of possessions, then there's no chance for an offensive rebound. Well, also, yeah, and also, too, it's like those numbers on the defensive rebounding, they're not necessarily skewed, but it's like when you're the best three-point shooting team in the nation – like you're gonna get less, yeah. Or when you force 17 turnovers, that means you're exactly te- the yeah, team you went against shot the ball yeah. 17 times less than they should have on each possession. Yeah. So it's like we were talking about with North Carolina. North Carolina is one of the yeah, best that's offensive rebounding teams. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah. it's like I hoped to be able to find like second chance opportunity. Yeah, statistics, but I couldn't. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't think that. Obviously, that's one of Houston's strengths. But I, I think that Baylor's defense is good enough to neutralize that, even if they do get some offensive rebounds on them. Yeah, the problem, the biggest problem with Houston is they get sloppy with the ball. Um, they go away from what's working sometimes, and then they can go on stretches where they can't hit a shot. And I, you can't do that against Baylor. You got it. You got to be hitting your shots. You got to be hitting your open shots because they're going to be few and far between. That you get really good, just wide open looks. So they have to knock those down. And then they're going to have to rebound the shit out of the ball. They really are. So, but I, I I like Baylor in this one. I like the matchup. I've been saying they're they're very similar, but the guard play for Baylor is just better. It is. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I Grimes can if Grimes gets hot and Sasser's hitting the threes when they come to him and Jarreau's creating. I mean, Houston can hang with anybody. So. It's going to be a really good game. This is going to be a damn good yeah, game. Yeah, that's why I think like five. When I look at the game and I think how it's going to go, it's going to be a close game, and a five-point mm-hmm. game is 
pre- can be pretty close. So you look at um, Houston down one with 45 seconds left, and they shoot and miss. Bam. Yeah. All of a sudden, they either got to play defense with like around 30 seconds left or a little bit more, yeah. or they got to start fouling. And yeah. then if they miss again, bam, you're at five. You're at five if Baylor miss, makes all four of those free throws. So it's like, to me, that's the way I see the game going. It's more that Baylor uh, covers in a free throw type of game because Houston struggles to score the ball when it matters the most at the end. Yeah. No, yeah, so it sounds like we're both in agreement there then. Yeah, and I'm also going under here. Are you? See, I was looking at it. I, it's a, it's not high number, but um, I like the pairing of the Baylor minus five under 134. Yeah. Because we're both thinking that Houston's going to struggle to score in this game. Yeah, so. but all – And it, I don't think that Baylor's going to necessarily score a whole bunch of points, but um, – They've both got guys that can get hot, though. That's what worries me. Like, and Baylor's got, a, like we said, a ton of different guys who can shoot from deep. So, it's like I don't know. I, I hate betting over unders. I really do. I do. But I mean, obviously, under has been the way to go. But it, when it's the best three point shooting team in the nation, it's like all all you all you need is for them to get hot, and then you're screwed. Which is easy to say. You can say it about any team, but yeah. But I think that they're they're tough in my opinion because they are so damn good defensively, but then they can also shoot so really so well. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how many opportunities. Like if Baylor's getting a bunch of open shots because they're creating yeah it on offense with the drive and kick and stuff like that, then it's going to be trouble for the for the um the under. But if if you believe like I do, which is that Houston's that's got to be Houston's number one defensive priority yeah. is to uh, perimeter pressure. And yeah, run them off the three-point line. So, yeah, to me, I think that it's not it's low, it's higher than the numbers we've been seeing from like a, a Houston game or or something like that. But um, I think that since Houston's defense is so good, and I I think they'll have more success than other teams have had against Baylor, but. It's Baylor's defense going against a Houston offense that sh- seems to struggle. Yeah, and both, uh, and both are damn good at defending the three-point line. But neither team allows the, their opponent to shoot above 30%. Yeah, and like I said, the Villanova game is the big, the big precedent I'm going off of here mm-hmm. is that I think that Houston will put up a fight kind of like Villanova did, but um, a little bit better and lower scoring for Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, we shall see. That's going to be a really good one. I think it's a four fourteen or some shit. I don't know why they couldn't just make it four fifteen. Um, <laughs> but yeah, tomorrow Saturday started off with a really really good game. Um, and then after that, at like eight or no, it's like I don't know what it is six thirty six or some dumb shit. Uh, you got number one Gonzaga versus number eleven UCLA, which we already we already talked about this a little bit. But UCLA's fourteen point underdogs. The over under currently sits at one forty five and a half. We both basically agreed we don't see any way that UCLA can win this game, but here we are again with the patented this is a lot of points uh, scenario. So which side are you leaning? <laughs> it's a tough one. <laughs> I think I'm going to shoot at an over here. At the over? I mean, yeah. yeah. So if l- looking at previous games in the tournament for um, – I think that these two teams match up similarly to the way that UCLA, I mean USC, Gonzaga matched up. 
So well, that's we, not what we want to hear. <laughs> so we already got um, that game that was played, and there was there was 140, 151 scored in that game. Yeah. And, and, and it wasn't a very good shooting. It wasn't a good from, shooting. From, from USC. So on the one hand, this is, this is the way I look at it. Um, to me, I don't care how good your defense is. I think that Baylor, I mean, Gonzaga's played – a better defense than UCLA, and that's hard for me to say because they held Michigan under 50 points, but um, Michigan wasn't a team that had players like Gonzaga that can score. And the, It's the most efficient thing. Like on, It's like if you compared this Gonzaga team to a, a NFL team, it'd be the Chiefs. It's like, yeah. it's like so unstoppable. I just don't know what anybody could do to, to, to make them not score a lot of points. Hurt the offensive line. Yeah. So um, the safest bet, I'm going to give them both out, but the safest bet I feel like is the um, over 145 and a half, and I haven't taken not one over. I'm a big under guy in every sport, mm-hmm. but I haven't taken any overs yet for this whole tournament, but this will be the first one. And then what's your other one? For the spread. You want to wait? I'll give it out, dude. I'm gonna shoot it. I'm gonna give it to UCLA. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. No. I was looking at the over as well. I. But it, it's so. It's. Tough it's not that because it's kind of like. Because I was looking at the I was looking at the spread as well. So, personally. I feel like if UCLA is going to cover the fourteen, then they're going to need an off shooting night from Gonzaga. Like they're going to have to play really good defense and kind of, grind it out. And like, allow whatever the officials are going to allow you to do. Like, it depends on how tight the whistle is. But if they allow them to play physical, then they can maybe Gonzaga will turn the ball over. They've showed it throughout the season. They that's the if there is a weakness on that team, it's that they can sometimes because they're so damn good. They know they're good. That's what I said. They play in a conference where they can be down thirty at halftime and win by twenty. So, yeah, it looks like the team's been playing together their entire lives. Yeah. That's and, how they move the ball around. Like, and sometimes I feel like that can be their down, not their downfall because they haven't lost. They haven't even come close to losing. But that can be the only negative thing, the needle in the haystack, is that sometimes they'll turn the ball over where in areas that they shouldn't because they just get lazy with the ball because they're so damn good. They don't have to. They could play 80% and beat every other team just about with the exception of a handful. Um but it's like so for it to hit the over, Gonzaga's obviously going to score a lot, you know. Yeah, I mean, do you? So you're you're banking on UCLA to be able to somewhat keep up with the scoring output yeah. of Gonzaga. So if that if um, and it scares me because in the sense, if you go by just last game, last game UCLA looked like Oregon State. UCLA was all what's his name, Juzang. Yeah, and then that's a point I make is that I think. I said it when the tournament first started, or the sec after the second round. That it was like, all right, everyone's been talking about Gonzaga's offense, but nobody's seen to mention how good their defense is. Yeah, and even though I think it's really good, and then they obviously uh, Suggs is a lot bigger than Tyler Campbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Campbell makes. I think it's ti- makes, Tiger. Tiger, yeah, yeah. Tiger Campbell. Um, he makes a lot of contested shots. He did it against Michigan. Yeah. A lot of big shots that they needed to win the game. 
and then so does that dude Juzang. Mm-hmm. He's like if well, he, he shoots, played in, he played incredible. Well, and then they can get more out of um, number four, which is uh, I forget his last name, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, that's the biggest thing for me is that I just don't. A lot of times when you're when I'm eyeing these things up is I'm looking at trends here. Yeah. I think the most unstoppable force in all in the tournament right now is Gonzaga's offense. Mm-hmm. And then I think that I think that UCLA's capable of shooting a ball better than they did against Michigan. Yeah. See so yeah, Juzang was eleven and nineteen from the field, two of five from deep. He poured in twenty eight points. Um played all but two minutes in the game. Uh, they got 11 points out of Tiger Campbell. Out of their bench, they didn't get a single point. Yeah, I know. It was a big discrepancy in the game where Michigan got a lot more bench points because UCLA got zero. Yeah, well, Michigan only played two guys off the bench. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they got 15 points out of their bench. Um, They got good minutes out of Chondi Brown again. But, yeah, I mean – God, no points out of your bench. But then again, I mean, really only one guy coming off the bench plays any substantial minutes, and that's Kenneth Nuba. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. It's tough because I think it was just a bad shooting night from UCLA. I, I stand by what I said on it the was, last It was, but it was Michigan's a very good defensive team. No, they are, definitely. And um, where I saw them have a lot of success, which it could be, if you if you're a big Gonzaga and you just don't see how you can go away from Gonzaga at this point, is that uh, if Gonzaga is able to put pressure on them, because Michigan was able to apply pressure at half court early in the game, mm-hmm. and it looked Michigan looked strong to start the game, and then UCLA quickly battled back with their defense mainly, and then they were able to hit some tough shots. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I guess that's the main thing you're worried about is 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 pressure. Because Suggs is so big, uh, if that's going to be a problem for them moving the ball around, um, I don't know. To me, this is a team. UCLA is capable of scoring it more than it looks like because yeah. they scored they scored seventy five points against Alabama in regulation, eighty eight in a total game. Yeah. So um, Alabama's was a team known for pretty good defense. They had the SEC Defensive Player of the Year. Um, and longer guys on that team. So it's kind of similar to me. Uh, I think Gonzaga's probably even better than Alabama is on defense. But um Yeah, probably so, yeah. They gotta get- I don't know. I think that the the key here is that um Gonzaga's gonna shoot threes and they're gonna do it at a good pretty good percentage probably. Um when UCLA played Alabama, they shot twenty nine threes and made ten of them. So, um, Alabama actually shot, actually shot very poor from three. But if you look at it, I just think I think there's a shot for UCLA to cover and the over to hit at the same time. Because if you look at let, let's say it's eighty to sixty six, yeah, that's a push on the spread mm-hmm. and it's an over by half a point. Yeah, and I mean if you look at the games that Gonzaga's played so far, that's been a it's been a little bit higher scoring than that, but that's been no, yeah, sixty six points is around what. Uh, if UCLA their can, if UCLA can score seventy points, the over should hit. Yeah, it should a hundred percent hit. If UCLA scores over. even sixty five, yeah, like or or like we said, I just don't see. 
That's, Gonzaga that's gets number. such good looks that it's just like that's the number you're looking for. Anywhere from 65 to 70, if they can hit that, then the over should hit. So, but to do that, they need more out of Yaquez. Yaquez had one. He was one of yeah, six that's in awesome. the field. Four points. That's what you're talking about. Number four. Yeah. Um. Yeah. He's he played 38 minutes. Played the same amount as Juzang. Came out for two minutes. Um. Only six shots. I mean, he contributed elsewhere. Six rebounds, four assists. Um. But they they got to get more out of him. They have to. Four, I mean, I think four the points key, is not going to do it. If the game plan here is to let's um. Lean on our defense here. It's a bad game plan. You got to shoot no, the ball. Yeah, yeah. This is not. This <laughs> you got to get up as many. Like, don't hold the ball too long. It's like if you get a open shot, you got to take the shot. It's not hunt. That's. I don't think it's a good idea to try to slow this game down and get the most out of every possession. It's about yeah getting as many shots up as possible. No, yeah. You you got to take the Oral Roberts approach. You got to go with the Oral Roberts approach of we're jacking them up, and we're going to trust our ability to make them. You can't. You can't slow it down. You gotta. I don't know. It's 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 tough. It's really tough. Um, but I'm I'm definitely gonna take the over one forty five and a half, and I guess I'm gonna take a shot on UCLA plus fourteen. Um, I really want UCLA to win this game outright. If they do, I mean, then I win the bracket. Yeah, I'm challenge. rooting for UCLA. Oh yeah, because I have the I have the Baylor Baylor uh, future. Yeah. So. If I had the over one forty five and a half is my pick for this game, I'm still going to take uh, UCLA plus fourteen. But much like the USC pick, I don't like this pick at all. So, but UCLA's been covering like crazy. So they've been yeah, I think probably been underdogs underdog. every game. Yeah. yeah, the um yeah, and if in the big games like this, I like to mention like where the public's betting and all that. Gonzaga's getting a t- all the money, basically. Yeah. Um, Where's the sharp money? There's a little bit of sharp money on um, the UCLA bet, but it's overall the odds makers are confident in their spread, basically, because yeah. um, it, it's only changed by half a point. It opened at 13 and a half. It's 14 now, but 86% of the money's on Gonzaga. <laughs> So you think it would just change it a little bit more than that, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, You're saying the spread to go up. Yeah. Well, you think it would have already. Yeah. But it isn't. So it means the odds makers yeah. are more confident yeah. than in their original thing than, they think that's than moving the, the line. Yeah, that's the number. So they're willing to get on games like this. It's like. Vegas doesn't always move the line. To, it's not like, all right, a percentage of the money is on uh, this team. We got to move the line this amount of points. No, yeah. If it's like if they feel yeah. more than uh, – if they feel like they know something that no one else, that uh, the public doesn't know, then they're going to keep the line close to where it opened. Yeah. And basically not gamble, but it's an educated gamble because they have all the statisticians they, in the world they need to figure out. Yep what an accurate spread is. Yeah, they're running fucking algorithms and shit and yeah. Um yeah. So that's an interesting thing the Baylor Houston uh Houston I mean Baylor ended up getting a lot of early money but then some has come on Houston right now. Baylor has 63% of the money on them against a spread. Interesting. Yeah, I feel good about the Baylor pick. I really do. Um So yeah, I don't know. It, it's going to be some 
damn good games, really damn good game. Gonzaga, honestly, very well could run away with this, but we're going to roll the dice on the plus 14. But uh, we need some points scored in this game, big time. So I feel good about it, though. But, yeah, I mean, you got anything else on these two games? No, I'll just recap, though, because yeah. I got to four. Yep. Um, Baylor minus five. Houston, Baylor under 134 and a half. Um, I got UCLA plus 14 and UCLA Gonzaga over 145 and a half. Okay. I'm going to take um, taking Baylor minus five, taking UCLA plus 14, and I'm taking UCLA and Gonzaga over 145 and a half, just like Nick. Um, and, yeah, I mean – See if we after a bad bad second half of the Elite Eight, we can see if we can get some money back here and uh keep it rolling. What is I think my updated record's at ten and eight. Yeah, I'm at fourteen and seven. Fourteen and seven for Nick, ten and eight for me. Um I mean, you can't ask for all much more than that in a in a tournament that has been uh just I, I keep saying it's weird. I guess it's not. Just I didn't agree with a lot of the seating, but it is what it is, um, but we're almost all the way through it. It feels good. So, but yeah, I, I still got to make the decision on if I hedge or not. Yeah, I'll just wait. I know. I just, I don't know. It's gonna be tough. We'll see. I'm what. gonna be honest. Like it, like I said before, I think it, whoever wins, I think that the game is gonna be like I, if it's more than eight points, it's like I'd be really surprised. And like an eight point spread. You're looking at like minus three fifty, probably something like that. Yeah, maybe a little bit more, mm-hmm. minus three seventy five or something. But um, something around there, probably. But if you're looking at under that, then you're gonna get better odds just waiting for the spread to come out. Mm-hmm. I mean, minus two sixty five right now. I wouldn't. No, yeah. They got to win against somebody else first, and you just never know when they're if well, something's gonna happen. Yeah, somebody could get hurt. There's a ton of different things that could happen. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much all I got. You got anything else? No, that's it. All right. Episode 78 of Big Easy Bets is in the books. Um, if you have any questions, specific questions about the games that we didn't touch on, feel free to message us on the Big Easy Bets Twitter page. And we'll be back after the final four to give you our picks for the championship game. And we'll keep moving forward from there. Y'all have a good one. Who that?